So we declare, God, that you are good. And we pray that as we look at your word, um, we will get a special sense of how that's true in light of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Timer, boom. Yep. Get it going right there. So I'm getting ready to come up here and do this. I'm back there in the sound booth, and they all say to me, knock them dead. (laughs) If you know what's coming in the scripture right here today, you're going to know why they said that to me. We're going to talk about one of the most difficult portions of scripture in the New Testament today, and hopefully we don't knock them dead today. Uh, but we're going to look at that. You know, we've been in this uh, Acts thing, the book of Acts, and uh, uh, really seeing what is a part of a movement. And that was an early movement um, uh, of the church, and we want to get the same parallels to see how it f- applies to us. I think that happened when we were studying Luke. Uh, you know, actually, as we started studying Luke over that two-year period, God started serving up uh, messages uh, around what we needed as a church as we were re-Jesusing the church. And now we are what we're calling rechurching the church as we learn what church is like in light of this new movement here. And, um, and I believe that even today is a significant message in, in what is important about a movement. It is one of the most dicey portions of Scripture that uh, is in the New Testament. I looked up trying to find sermons that people have preached on it, and there aren't any because you don't really want to do this one. This one is like rough on church growth and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, we've got to tackle it because here it comes. And so brace yourself. And uh, I think there's something really important uh, in it. I've entitled this message, uh, The Art of the Deal, uh, or How to Throw Yourself Under the Bus, I think. (laughs) But uh, How to Throw Yourself Under the Bus is too long to uh, put on the podcast, so I was just going to say The Art of the Deal there, you know, and you'll see why in a minute. But first of all, we're in Acts chapter 4, moving into 5, and uh, first of all, we've got to capture what is going on in the early church at this time, okay? So look at where we've come from. We started in the first chapter uh, where they had to get things in proper order. There's a divine order so that things could happen. Then Pentecost comes, 3,000 people uh, become Jesus followers. The Holy Spirit comes and fills them, and everything's different now. Uh, you know, and, and then um, we had um, Peter and John walking down the street a couple weeks ago. Daniel's been doing an awesome job with all this. And uh, some guy says, uh, I need some money. He goes, well, I don't have any of that, but I'll give you what I do have. Stand up and walk, and this guy gets healed. They're proclaiming the resurrection. Then last week, uh, the uh, uh, Sanhedrin, the guys who really don't want to hear anything about a re- resurrection, by the way, start, they bust them and uh, uh, take them to jail, beat them up, then send them home. And are back to the crew, and and that's where it was last week, where they were praying together. What did they pray for? Really important about a movement, really significant in a movement. They didn't pray that things would get better and that uh, uh, the persecution wouldn't happen. They prayed for boldness. That was profound. Uh, Boldness to take risks, right? That was last week. So now, what is it like in this early church? It's important to understand what it's like in this early church to understand um, this part that we're going to talk about that's fairly dicey. So if you go to uh, 32, we're going to have to get uh, ministry center Bibles with bigger print. I feel, like, I feel like the church is kind of aging, and don't you all need bigger print than this? I'm sure it's not me. There it is over there. Okay. 
All of the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in, in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. They were all one heart and one mind, to the degree that it says that they didn't own anything. Now, this isn't communism, like what's yours is mine kind of thing. What it was was what's mine is his. And see, because what's mine is his, it's all his for you. It's different like that. You know, they still own stuff because they sold things. They didn't just all give it up. So it's actually not an a economic, a socioeconomic system that's put together here. It's the kingdom of God is happening. And when the kingdom of God starts happening, amazing unity comes. They are all in one heart and one mind. And People, it says here that they're getting added all the time. There's already 3,000. There's 3,000 people here who are swimming around in this new church. And they're all in one mind and all in one heart. Wow, supernatural unity, another evidence of the kingdom. New believers, another uh, evidence of the kingdom. This is the kingdom that's taken off. You know, one that's profound is supernatural generosity. Generosity is a part of a movement. And that's what's happening. Cool generosity, sacrificial generosity. It had to be so fun. You know, uh, there are some commentators who think that uh, this wasn't like a new social system that they put together and a benevolence plan. Uh, that came later. Uh, you know, that was, as a matter of fact, they had to later decide who was going to handle that because there was, uh, uh, it was becoming more formal. But here, it's quite possible that there are hundreds or maybe more uh, new Jesus followers who were working at the temple and are no longer working at the temple. Either they got fired because you can't be a Jesus follower and work here, or they just quit. I'm not sure. But there were immediate needs. What was going on right here is people were worshiping God with uh, their resources, and the apostles were taking it and giving it to what literal needs when they were coming up. Now, I, I don't know for sure that's what's going on, but that, that's probably a good uh, that there were literal actual needs that were going on. It was really a, an exciting time to be there. I mean, wouldn't it be fun to be in the midst of that? I mean, when you see some crazy, generous act, don't you want to get in on that? I mean, you go, whoa, who would do that? Because what happens? The world is all about keeping for yourself, and this is all about releasing vertically for God and wherever he wants it to go. Super cool time. Uh, and, and, the, and what it looks like to be together in one heart and one mind for a movement to take place. Okay, so what happens next? I would, uh, if I were uh, renumbering this thing and putting the chapters in a different place, I'd have moved it to where 436 is. I'd have put the start of chapter 5. Because I think what this bit about Barnabas is really important as it relates to the rest of the story. It says here, Joseph, in verse 36 of 4, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. <clears throat> Apparently Barnabas was really well thought of. 
You can even see that as it carries out further in Acts. And we're going to meet Barnabas more and more. And you're going to find out that he really is an encouragement. His spiritual gift is really encouragement. And uh, uh, he must have been a generous guy. This must have been a significant thing. Matter of fact, it must be significant that the apostles gave him a new name. Yeah, we know your name's Joe, but we're going to call you Barnabas, son of encouragement. And so Barnabas, uh, he decides, I guess by the leading of the Holy Spirit, certainly, that he ought to sell some of his property. He sells his property and he puts it at the feet of the apostles so they can distribute it. That's all good. Barnabas is good. And then we get to chapter 5. Because chapter 5 says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so now what we, we, we had in previous chapters, outward problems. Now we got one on the inside. Okay, so Ananias and Sapphira, they, were probably, they probably had quite a bit of resources too. They, did not get, they were not selling, it says they had a field. They weren't selling their house. They might have had a number of fields. And so, it might, you know, let's, hey, what do you think? We might sell the North 40. So they sell the North 40, and it says here that uh, uh, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Okay, this is different than what Barnabas did. I think he saw Barnabas. Now, I, I, I used to think of this Ananias and Sapphira as basically Judas guys, you know. Um, guys who aren't there, really wrong, um, need to be kicked out. And I'm not sure that's what happened here. I actually think that it's quite possible that they saw, they're, they're believers, they're part of the 3,000. The Holy Spirit lives in them, like it did in the rest of them. And uh, uh, I, I think it's quite possible that they saw what Barnabas did and went, Let's get in on that. It might even have been the Holy Spirit. Could have been. I'm speculating on that, but it could have been the Holy Spirit that said, you know what? You got the North 40. Why don't, you, why don't we get in on that? Perfectly legit. They didn't have to, by the way. There's nothing in here that said they had to give anything. But they saw it, and they said, let's do that. And I, and I, I bet, um, we'll find out one day, but I bet that they were, uh, they were prompted by the Holy Spirit, maybe just like Barnabas was. Something happened in the midst of it, though. Something happened in the art of the deal, in the midst of the deal. I, I, you know, uh, it says that they brought the money, they sold it, and uh, kept some of it back, and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. I think what they put at the apostles' feet must have been an adequate amount for somebody to think that it was the full price on the, on the land. It wouldn't have surprised me a bit, a bit if it, this was, wasn't them testing the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit wasn't giving them a test. Maybe there was a bidding war on that land. Maybe they got a lot more. I'm not sure, but they, they got more than what they asked, maybe. Because whatever they brought, they figured that it was going to be enough to be in the same uh, uh, position as Bartimaeus where everybody's going, whoa, did you see what Barnabas did? Whoa, did you see what Ananias and Sapphira did? Those guys are heavy hitters. Somewhere, some, somewhere the voice has changed. Do you see that in there? Where it goes, uh, um, with his wife's full knowledge. Well, that means that they, the two of them conspired on this thing. It's a deal they put together. 
You know what we'll do? They got the money and they said, you know what we'll do? And I don't know why they said this. They might have said, I mean, I'm just fun trying to speculate on it a little bit. They might have said, whoa, this is a lot of money. And I don't know if it'd be good to put this at the feet of the apostles because they're bonehead fishermen. And they're not going to know how to manage all that money. Or they might have looked at it. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that. Some people with really significant resources can't give to the church because uh, they're, they're stupid ministry people, not business people. I don't know. You take that up with God. But anyway, um, or they might have said, you know what? We need, to, we, need to, we need to save some back for our retirement. Or it could have been a lot more devious than that, uh, that they didn't even realize where this was going, where in fact, they, uh, maybe they went, you know what? With that money, we could do this. And then with that, we would, we would have that much more that we would be able to give later. But I'm sure that it sounded good to them, and I'm not sure that they had a realization of uh, the fact that they were lying to the Holy Spirit. I'll show you why it's lying to the Holy Spirit. It says here in, in uh, verse 3, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Peter gets a word of knowledge, like it says happens in 1 Corinthians. He gets a word of knowledge, and he, and he speaks it to them. and says, what are you doing? You've lied to the Holy Spirit. Apparently they had said, you know what? Uh, let's get in on this, and let's give and, um, and, and then in the midst of it, something turned, and they started listening to another voice. And the other voice said, whatever it took so that they weren't even thinking that they were talking with God anymore about it, they were, I'm pretty sure they were horizontal. And, and what they were looking for was to have the same accolades as uh, Barnabas. Something turned, and they lied to the Holy Spirit. And uh, they're being called out by Peter. This is why this... This next verse is why the uh, sound team said, knock him dead. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. He fell down and died. Is that the craziest thing you've ever seen? That is old, so Old Testament. That is, you know, Old Testament, you've got to deal with all that craziness. Blood and guts everywhere, whole people, all, people groups dying. You've got to deal with all that. But, but that's okay because we can kind of go, yeah, but it's the New Testament now, right? That's okay. All that stuff, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Does somebody, when you're talking to somebody about Jesus, they always say that, by the way. Yeah, what about that stuff in the Old Testament? Yeah, that's Old Testament. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about New Testament. Whoa, right here in the New Testament, in the early church, he's lying and he's dying. That's what it says right there. And then it says, um, then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Bad day to be an usher. <laughs> what is going on that he, that he fell over and died? I mean, that seems like, you know, you got a parking ticket. Oh, by the way, that's capital punishment right there. You mean you had some money that you didn't even have to give, and you kept some of it back, and it probably wasn't even that much. I bet, I bet he kept back 10%. Okay, let's say 20. For 10%, you came in, you lied to God, you put the money down, 
and now you're, boom, dead. Let's unpack it a bit. It says there in verse 2, I've got to go back for a sec. It says, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money. You know, I don't know why exactly the translators uh, have put he kept back part of the money because the Greek word for kept back part of the money is literally the word embezzled. It, it, it should say, uh, with his wife's full knowledge, they embezzled the money and then put some of it at the apostles' feet. I think it kind of changes the, the, uh, the weight of it a little bit. I mean, because when you embezzle something, that's inherently taking something from somebody else. That's stealing somebody else's money. This is why this isn't a great church growth sermon, okay? Because this is hard stuff, but I'm just telling you what it says. So, so, so what it's saying is Ananias and Sapphira, whose money it was, who didn't have to give a thing, decided they would, made a commitment that they would, and then in the process, for whatever reason, decided that they were going to take some of God's money. And the penalty for that is death. In this situation, right here, it says right there, he fell down and died. That's why you don't preach on this too much. <laughs> About three hours later, his wife came in, this is verse 7, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? He pointed at the money. She said, yes, this is the price. And Peter said, how could you conspire to test the, the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they're going to carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Whoa. Well, I, I think there's a couple things. One um, that we should take from this is that the Holy Spirit is God. And God is the creator of the universe. All-powerful. This is not small God, little g God. This is, this is God you're in a relationship with. And apparently integrity and authenticity matters. That's what it says. That's what it's saying. You know, who, you know who this, you're following Jesus, you know who he is? He's God. And it would be bad to forget the magnitude of who he is. I'm sure that's a part of it. You know? I think there's something else here that uh, is also uh, critical. Okay, so the question is, why is this happening? Why didn't this happen now? Why did it happen then? I mean, honestly, I got, I got stuff that's worse than what they did. I got stuff that's worse than I should have been zapped on uh, a lot, a lot quicker than them. I mean, that's the core of this thing, right? Honestly, uh, who's going to stand up and go, I got this nailed. I'm looking at, you know, uh, God, I'm good to have a deal with you on that. So what is it with these guys? Well, I can tell you one thing, uh, that what one person does affects everybody. And that, that's important. Joshua 7 talks about the sin of Achan. Right? He's the guy. They went in to uh, uh, Jericho, and they were told specifically, do not take any devoted things. You're not, from, you're not to take anything from there. And one guy, guy named Achan, he takes some of these items and hides them 
in his tent. And it says in Joshua 7 that the whole nation of Israel sinned. No, he didn't. No, they didn't. There's just one guy did. Well, they go into battle and they lose. Because the reality is what he did affected everyone. Now get back to what it said in 4. They were of one heart and one mind. This is really significant, I think, for what, why what happened to Ananias and Sapphira happened. I, I actually believe clearly it's a one and done thing, right? Uh, because we're not seeing this happen a lot. Or maybe it's happened and nobody's recording it. Uh, I don't know. But uh, why did it happen then? Well, this movement that you and I are recipients of right now had to be of one heart and one mind. And what Ananias and Sapphira were doing was in their duplicity, if they were allowed to continue on with this, they are diluting the heart of the people. I believe God, in his goodness, did this. That doesn't seem like that. I get it. Because we're, we're really focused on them. Now, there's nothing to indicate that, uh, that Ananias and Sapphira didn't know Jesus. As a matter of fact, I think when they were lying and dying, um, they woke up in the presence of God and went, What? Oh. <laughs> but they went, Oh. My bad. Sorry about that deal I was trying to make, you know. But, but, but they weren't, they, weren't uh, they didn't go to hell or anything like that. God in his goodness needed to protect the movement because authenticity matters. One mind and one heart matters. And, and, and I'm personally though, why, Luke, why did you leave this in here? Luke's the writer of this. Why did you leave this in here if it's a one and done kind of thing? And I'm not trying to say one and done so that you can make sure you're not afraid of getting zapped at any point or anything like that to take the pressure off. We just don't see it anymore other than this, right? This was essential to keep the movement going because holiness matters. And especially at the beginning of this movement, what happens right after this is significant. It says here, great fear, in verse 11, seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I'll bet it did. By the way, um, that's one of the first places we see the word ecclesia, church. And that, that word literally means called out ones. Get the called out nature of the context here. Called out from what? Called out to look. It's just right in the context of Ananias and Sapphira. Called out to be holy. Any real move of Jesus there's a, a time where people are repenting of what they're doing. Repenting of, of the arrangements and the deals they made. But it says, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And, and get this. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all of the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded. I get that. Who wants to be a part of that? This level of commitment is crazy. But then it says the next verse, nevertheless, even though the level of commitment now, who's in and who, you know, how, are you really in on this? Is really high now. Everybody in the, in the crowd would go, oh man, is there anything like in my heart like those guys? That'd be the right question. Because they were all seized with fear. But nevertheless, it says, 
more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that the, at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. So if Ananias and Sapphira's new system of things, this diluted kind of uh, uh, duplicity that's, and hypocrisy, that's inside, I'm this way, but on the outside, I look like a philanthropist. On, you know, that, that, that I'm all in, but I'm not really all in. If that was allowed to start to permeate, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't see what just happened right there. Because this is sequential, what's happening in, this, in, in these events. And this outpouring of favor and the fullness of God comes as a result. How important is that? Oh, it's so important. Integrity before God and with one another matters. And we want to see, I don't know about you, but don't you want to see God move in our midst? Don't you want to see his power happen in our church? Don't you want to see his power? People for the kingdom movement where people are uh, Jesus, new Jesus followers everywhere? Don't you want to see supernatural unity? Transformation in people's lives? Don't you want to see people healed? That's what happened. Power of God came and people were healed. I'm pretty sure you and me aren't here if Ananias and Sapphira continue on doing what they're doing. And that becomes the operating mode it becomes just another religious thing that came and went. But we are here 2,000 years later because uh, that couldn't be tolerated in that setting right there. And I think it's here to mess with us. Doing pretty good. I think it's here to mess with us. I think you're supposed to read this and go, what? Exactly like we're doing. Really? Are you kidding me? But then don't move on. Don't, don't go past there. Go, is there, do, do the, do the uh, David thing, Psalm 51. Lord, is there anything in me? Search my heart. Uh, that's what they all did. I mean, you know, I, I doubt they all went, well, probably at first they did. Uh, they probably went, oh, those guys really are bad people. Whew, good thing God zapped them. It says they were all afraid. It didn't say they were all judgmental. It says they were all afraid. They were all afraid because, you know what? Uh, have I made a deal on this anywhere? Search, search me on that. What would have happened if Peter would have, 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 have seen, this, seen this, get a word from God about what was going on with Ananias and Sapphira, and then turn and go, whoa, God, is that real? Seriously? They're lying to you? Well, I'm going to have to make a note of that. I'll have to make a note of that because that's going to be a real discipleship thing we're going to need to do. We're going to have to teach on tithing, I think. No, he was faithful to give it. But if he'd have coddled it just the same, it would have diluted the movement. And I, and I got to tell you, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. I've been, I've been doing the Jesus thing for 35 years. And... Uh, um, you know, I can look back in the day when I was all conflicted um, about all this kind of stuff. On, on, and, and, but, but i got to be honest, God showed me something very recent. <clears throat> so, um, you know, when you're lead pastor, uh, 
you got responsibility for how this place is going, you know, whether people are getting paid and, 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 uh, and uh, we're, we're meeting our obligations. And so one of the things that you end up praying about a lot is, Lord, resource the church. When things are down, you go, oh, man, you're, 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 I'm crying out to God, you know. And uh, bless the people so that they will bless here, Lord, and we can bless out there. I'm praying. I'm praying. Back in October, it was very tight beginning of October, and uh, there was a, uh, you know, so when it's like that, you're just trying to, we got an awesome staff, you guys are enjoying an incredible facility, um, and that has to be paid for, that has to be paid for first. Oh, God, got to come through here, and then I saw this, you know, we budgeted for, uh, uh, we budget for a lot of things that don't necessarily happen, if there's no money for them to happen, right? And uh, uh, there was a resource that I felt like we needed right at that time, but it would have been inappropriate from my perspective because I manage all of this over here to take uh, and, put, and, and, and do that expense when you're just trying to figure out how to make sure we get, people get paid. And yet the need was there. And so I'm praying about it. That's how it works, right? And, you, and Lord, what should I do? And the idea comes to me. Okay, so the hills, ever since we were young, uh, Gwen and I, we, uh, we just tie 10% of our, of our check. It comes in, and I just tie that. And here, since we get paid twice a month um, at the orchard, I, uh, you know, twice a month, we tie that. And so I thought, okay, you know, because it just wouldn't be appropriate in my mind that this sort of peripheral expense is in the budget when there's not money. What I'll do, yep, now what I'll do is I'll take my tithe uh, and, and I'll buy that resource. And I'll, I'll pay for that. And, uh, uh, you know, because it's going to go to the church anyway, right? So kind of church is money. And so I did that. And, uh, and that worked out, I thought. And then I'm praying. And still, things are tight. Here, I don't know if you were following that. You can go to the website anytime and see how we're doing. October's tight. Then November is tight. And November's not supposed to be tight, generally. And then December. We all get really generous at December. And, uh, and, and the first two weeks here at December, oh man, what's going on, Lord? I'm praying, Lord. Because, uh, I, I mean, you just sort of shoulder that. You guys who manage stuff, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm praying for some, a miracle. And, and, and I, I can tell you right where I was praying, right where I was. I said, yeah, you remember that thing? What thing? Yeah, that... Uh, where you took the money and bought that thing. Um, yeah. Well, that was my money. I heard that. That, that was my money. And, and, I, and I'm like convicted immediately. Man, if, what I did was I got to my app before lightning struck. <laughs> you don't know how much time you got in this Ananias and Sapphire thing. <laughs> got to my app. Bam! And, and you know, I mean, I realized for $450, I just, I just about, I just messed it all up. For 400 what? Are you kidding me? Oh, bam, I hit that. Oh, Lord, I am so sorry uh, for, for that. And, uh, and then I, I kind of heard clearly, so you're feeling good about that. You're, so you're feeling good about not stealing from me. Oh, yeah, you're right, Lord. Why would I feel good about, okay, I didn't steal? Don't give yourself any pat on the back for that. Clear as day, I heard. That's the Ananias and Sapphira thing. If you wanted an example of Ananias and Sapphira, 
this would be it. Where, Charlie, that's your money. You can do with it what you want. You've decided, and we have done this for years, that that is going to be my money. First fruits. And so instead, you kept it over here with your covering, with your management, with your control, instead of putting it over here. And I'm like, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm over here and I'm managing that stuff. Oh, it's under God's control. It's under God's leading. God, God busted me on that. And honestly, I'm completely thankful for that. The idea, it appeared to me, just like Achan, that maybe me, maybe it's because I'm like the leader of the place, but what I had done was affecting all of us. That I had stopped it up because that afternoon, a single large check came in that covered the entire two months and made us all well at one time. No knowledge of that. I'm just going, Lord, forgive me for that. Had to do it double. Had to do a double tithe because I also had that tithe. Yikes. Boom. God just says, what are you doing? Trust me in this. Honestly, I got to be honest with you. I'm glad that integrity matters. I'm glad that authenticity matters. I'm glad for the Holy Spirit's conviction that says, what? Huh? Yeah? No? It's all mine. And what you're supposed to do with Ananias and Sapphira, the reason it's here, and the reason you're reading it 2,000 years later, is to totally be busted. Because God wants to do a movement now. God wants those things that are poured out there to be here. You know, people always say, I would like to, I hope, I would like to have the, the, the New Testament church here. Really? Did you read it? <laughs> oh, no, I just want those things. I want all the good stuff, but, but this stuff, no, every, every Jesus movement that happened, holiness became a center piece of it. Integrity became a center piece of it. That's the challenge that it is to us. That's an important challenge. Actually, even though nobody really wants to preach on Ananias and Sapphira, we wouldn't want to let it go from what God is doing in our midst because I believe we're in the middle of a new thing that God is doing. He wants to, he wants to pour out his fullness on us and through us. And that is such good news. And in fact, Ananias and Sapphira is an example of God's goodness to us. It's a beautiful thing. Because there was another deal struck. There was a deal before all this. Jesus says, if there's any way this cup could pass from me. And then he says, not my will, but yours. And then it cost him everything. So when you and I take communion, sometimes communion is a self-reflective thing where we ask God to show us if there's anything in us, not just money, time, it could be time, it could be relationships, it could be uh, uh, your energy, it could be anything that's duplicitous, anything that's like something on the inside, but it's not, uh, you know, we're doing something on the outside, but it's not on the inside. And we come up and we, we, we take the bread and we take the cup and we say, is there anything in me? And in his kindness, he reveals it. And we get to drop it to the floor, turn our hands up, and be a part of the movement.
That's awesome news. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful that this is good news and that you are good. And uh, I know Ananias and Sapphira are in your presence right now. Um, And that lesson for us, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now with anything that we need to give to you, make right with you. Um, Lord, I pray that you help us to be wholehearted, one spirit, one mind, one heart. And so as we take communion, Lord, we do it with humility and the realization of what it cost you. And I pray that you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen.